0: We are at the southern steps, immediately south of the Temple Mount, and these steps would have been the pedestrian entrance into the Temple area. Certainly Jesus would have entered up these stairs into the Temple, and What is interesting is that all of the rabbis would come and they would instruct their disciples on these steps, on these southern steps, going up to the temple. And so I just want to read to you one of the teachings that Jesus did on these stairs. In Matthew chapter 21 verse 28, he says, But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of these two obeyed his father? And they replied, The first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him. And repent of your sins. And one of the things that's interesting about this passage is again, you can see how the Pharisees and the devout religious people of the day would have been so offended by the person of Jesus Christ. We have seen on our trip here incredible devotion and chanting and bowing and reciting. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is it's not religion that gets you to the Father. It's a humble heart, a heart that walks in obedience. And truly, Jesus opened up the way for us to have a relationship of love with God our Father. Well, good morning, Overlake. It is wonderful to be with you this morning. I'm Mike, one of the pastors on the team. Why don't you grab your notes out of your handout. We are trucking through this series called Glorious Mess, Walkthrough of the Book of Jonah. And as to that video, two sons, Jesus says, uh, one says, yeah, dad, I'll do what you say, but doesn't. The other says, no, dad, I won't do what you say, but does. I've always thought there was a third option, right? The son who says, sure, dad, I'll do it. And then actually follows through. I'd like those kind of sons. And God says, Mike, I'd like to start with you like that and and so uh, there we go that's actually what we're going to be talking about today you'll see the message title is seeing god work and the truth is that god wants to work in you and god wants to work through you and he is calling you and me into something great. Now his call is on your life because he is great and because he loves you and not necessarily because in and of ourselves that we are anything special. In fact, here's what it says in the scripture in 1 Corinthians one twenty-eight and 29. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So here we are in in terms of the story of Jonah. We last left Jonah in the belly of the beast. And Jonah was there. He was literally brought to nothing. He came to the end of his road. He dead-ended in messiness. But right then is when Jonah made the shift and he decided to let God use his life. See, God is able for anything and, and, and he wants our lives to, to be the expression of his work in this world. If you've ever thought to yourself, I wish I could see God do something amazing, the answer is you can through you but but a lot of what happens it's in our court it's how we want to respond so if you're filling in the blanks the first one really simply is thank the god of second chances right? thank the god of second chances here's what the scripture says in jonah chapter three verse one and two then the word of the lord came to jonah a second time you might want to circle that phrase The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Friends, God is the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances, fourth chances, 10,000 chances, right? Just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you have ever needed a second chance. Anybody ever need a do-over, a second chance? Uh, Brilliant. I love this. Yeah, I love you. I love your honesty. I love that you're messed up. Um, Raise your hand if you have actually needed a second chance in the last seven days since we were last together. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the real. We are need of second chances and we have a God who is the God of second chances. And so no matter who you are, no matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum, no, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it. I want to proclaim to you very lovingly today that God is a God of second chances in your life. He says, I will take that sin away. I will I will take that stain away. I will remove it. I will make it as if it never happened. If you will allow my son, Jesus Christ into your life, he will remove your sin and he will make it white as snow. That is the God of second chances. Look what it says in Proverbs 28, verse 13. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, look what it says he gets another chance. God is the God of the second chance. So be thankful. Friends, be thankful. Make a commitment to develop a thankful heart when it comes to your relationship with God, our Father. We can leave the pity party behind and we can cultivate this attitude of thanksgiving, of being thankful to the God who continues to offer us his grace. Friends, this will be the most profound perspective shift we could ever hope to make in our faith journey. Literally, it will change everything about the way we process life, about the way we engage in relationships, and about the way we view God, our loving Father. Look what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, 21. It says, for God was in Christ, Jesus Christ, restoring the world to himself. Look what this says. "...no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out." This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. "...for God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us." Friends, that's fantastic. That's the good news. That's the most lopsided trade in the universe that we give Jesus our sin and he gives us his righteousness. But that's a beautiful thing. We can be thankful about that, that God has provided everything we need for eternity. So this whole first point is just give thanks. Now, I want to tell you a story. I, I recently reconnected with uh, an old friend of mine. Pastor Brad was a mentor of mine early on in my ministry 15 or so years ago. And Pastor Brad, it turns out, this is like five years ago, he, his life kind of blew up. And he burnt out in ministry, and he had an affair, and it cost him his ministry, cost him his marriage, it just, everything was, it was a mess for a while. And finally, it, it, he seemed to come to his senses, like he recognized that his choices had blown everything up, his misery had continued to grow, so he just confessed everything. He just laid it all out on the line, said, this is where I am, this is where my running has led me. And um, he got in and he saw a Christian counselor. He he brought himself under the authority of five Christian pastors. And they met for study, for accountability, for restoration. And he walked a road with them for almost two years. At the end of that two-year period, the pastor said, Brad, we think that your story actually has value for those in this world who believe that God could not possibly have grace for them. Would you be willing to sharing your story? Would you be willing to let that be a ministry tool? And so he prayed about it. He said, okay. And and so out of that little experiment, this is about uh, three years ago now, a, a little community was born called Life Change Community. And out of that Life Change Community, just a community that was committed to authenticity, transparency, celebrating the grace of God and how that works out practically in our lives, 300 people now call that community their church home. And of those 300 people, over 100 of them have found the love of Jesus Christ for the very first time in their lives. It's an amazing thing how God is using the story of bread. Now, even as I share that story, I know what some of you are thinking. That that you're thinking, no way, that's a horrible story. There's no way God's grace could extend to him, a pastor who fell morally. But here's what I want to say to you. I, I was talking to Brad about this. He said, Mike, you need to understand that I have a theme verse. And it's a verse I recite every single day. It's the verse that gives me fuel to keep me going in ministry. I said, what is it, Brad? He said, it's Jonah 3.1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Friends, God's grace is powerful enough to reach into Brad's life. God's grace is powerful enough to reach into Jonah's life. And God's grace is powerful enough to reach into yours as well. We can be thankful for the God of second chances, okay? So God gives us a second chance with our sin. He doesn't offer us forgiveness for your sake. No, no, there's more than that. It is for your sake, but it's also for God's glory because God has an incredible plan for your life. So let's take a look back into Jonah's story. This is verse 3 and 4. It says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Finally, Jonah obeys. You can circle that word, obeyed. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Look at that message for a moment. This is, without a doubt, the worst sermon ever recorded in Scripture. If you have ever doubted whether you were eloquent enough or smart enough to share the love of God in your relationships, you should just look at this message and be encouraged, right? Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Uh, My buddy Keith says, the only good thing about this message is its length right? If you can't be good, at least be short. And, and here's Jonah and he doesn't have much eloquence and he doesn't have any analogies and he doesn't have any cleverness and no testimony and no good PowerPoint. There's no ethos. There's no pathos. There's very little os at all. And, and yet, what do we see? We see God doing something incredible, right? Jonah isn't doing much of anything. He's just a guy Obeying the call of God on his life. Now, Jonah was probably bleached absolutely white by the stomach acid in the fish. He was probably hairless, dressed in rags if he was wearing anything at all. He smelled, his voice sounded like it was from beyond the grave. I picture the host from Tales of the Crypt. And hey, these are just tools that God uses, okay? Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And if God can use that message, God can use your life. A couple quotes for you. Oswald Chambers said, the comradeship of God, that's the fellowship, the relationship that, that God uh, desires. It's made up out of men who know their poverty. He can do nothing with a man or woman who thinks that he is of use to God. See, we don't come to God saying, God, you sure are lucky to have me on your team. We come to God out of our poverty. Just a man, just a woman obeying the call of God on our life. I found this quote from Rich Mullins. He said, I had a professor one time who said, class, you'll forget almost everything I'll teach you here. So please remember this, that God spoke to Balaam through his ass and he has been speaking through asses ever since. So if God should choose to speak through you, you need not think too highly of yourself. (laughs) See, God is the one who does the heavy lifting. And I'm amazed that God would choose to use people as so obviously flawed as you and me. See, what I think he's looking for is a heart that is grateful that he's the God of second chances, a a heart that understands his grace poured out lavishly on us, and, and a heart that is ready to share that love for others. As someone who enjoys surfing, I know that surfers don't create the waves. They just find the waves and surf them. And in this scenario, it was obvious that God was creating a wave in Nineveh. And he was asking Jonah and compelling Jonah to join him in the work that God was already doing. Look at the response to this very simple message Jonah brought. It says in verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Interesting. Suddenly, life in Nineveh looked different all the way across the board. Right? They honestly were convicted. They obviously believed, and because they believed, they changed what they'd been doing, the way that they'd been living. Sackcloth. Everybody wore sackcloth. What is sackcloth? It's a, it's a type of burlap that is very coarse, and it's very rough, and it's not comfortable at all. Right? If hotels didn't want their robes to be stolen, they could make them out of sackcloth. Right? Sackcloth clothiers of Nineveh, their slogan was, we put the itch back in britches, okay, that is not a comfortable way to go, and yet everybody in the whole city was wearing sackcloth. In the day, the cultural convention was that no one was allowed a higher seat than the king, so if the king sat down in the dirt, the entire population got dusty bottoms as well. Everything was different in this city. The message rang true and it rang home and the spirit of God moved and life in Nineveh looked different. Now, last week we talked about repentance and what that means, how, how my way, right? I turn away from my way and I turn back to God's way. And I simply wanna tell you this, that God loves a repentant heart. God goes nuts over a broken people that once our hearts are softened to him and our actions prove that we want him and walk with him, that there is a party going on in heaven. God is a compassionate God and he longs to pour his compassion out on us, on our lives, out on this world and in this context, out on Nineveh. So what happened to Nineveh? Nothing. Everything. Right? Nothing bad. There was no, nothing bad happened at all. There's no wrath of God poured out on Nineveh, but everything good. Now suddenly they understood the God of the universe loved them, wanted them in relationship. There was, a, there was a turning. There was a redemption. There was a salvation that happened. See, God saved them. He offered them grace. The grace that he had already offered Jonah, now he offered This people, He offers grace to a wayward prophet. He offers grace to a wayward people. And so we can see what the scripture says in Jonah 3.10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion on them and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. So God had done the work of changing hearts. And for one reason or another, God wanted to do that work through his servant Jonah. For one reason or another, God wants to do his work in the world today through his servants like you and like me. This work is that God wants to forgive. God wants to understand. God wants to love not only a sinful people, but a sinful prophet as well. And so God is rich to forgive. He did not want the destruction of Nineveh. He wanted the attention of Nineveh. And that's true in this world today. Friends, are we starting to understand the heart of God, that that God longs to show compassion, that that God's heart for the world is a heart of grace, that that we're invited into this grand drama as well. Because of this, friends, we can thank the God of second chances. The next fill-in on your outline is really simple. It's boldly choose to obey. Boldly choose to obey. We keep coming back to this, the call of God on our lives. Talk to so many who've sensed the call, the nudging, the prompting of God on their lives. This is a challenge that we would boldly choose to obey his call. Not just choose to obey, but choose to obey boldly. I, I want to tell you that I'm a child of the 80s. Uh, it's, the 80s is the greatest decade ever, by the way. Uh, Thank you, I I wasn't born in the 80s, I was born in the 70s, but I'm a child of the 80s because honestly, the the musical selection is phenomenal. So, and the zipper pants, uh, fantastic. So, uh, I I am going to refer to an analogy here, which is what I would call the height of cinematic excellence. And of course, I'm referring to the movie, The Karate Kid. Uh, many of you know this, uh, Ralph uh, Macchio, right, and, and uh, Mr. Miyagi, and, and uh, it's the wax on, wax off. It, you know, it's, it's a big deal. If you haven't seen it, this is a good one to, uh, never mind. Here, here's the scene I want you to recall, if you will. Um, young Daniel is, is learning or wants to learn karate from Mr. Miyagi, the guru, and so before that process of discipleship begins, Mr. Miyagi asks young Daniel the question, are you ready to begin the study of karate? And Daniel says, like a typical teenager, yeah, I guess so. And so Miyagi says, no, 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 no. Gets down on one knee. says, daniel you walk the road. You walk left side of the road, okay. You walk right side of the road, okay. You walk middle of the road, squish. (laughs) Just like grape, he says. Karate, same. You go karate, yes, okay. You go karate, no, okay. You go karate, guess so, squish. (laughs) Friends, that is an amazing truth. That is an amazing truth. For for those of you who are Star Wars friends, uh, this is Yoda's take on it. Uh, Do or do not. There is no try. That's it. That's this. Because doesn't Jesus say the same thing in Revelation, right? What he says is, I know what you've done, that you're neither hot, cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. But since you're lukewarm and not hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Wow. Wow. Now we know this, intrinsically we understand this. You go to Starbucks, you order a drink, you expect that it's either hot or cold, right? It will either be refreshing in its, in its warmth and vitality or it will be refreshing in its you know, coldness and it's an ice drink or blended or whatever. But if it's lukewarm, you're tempted to respond like Jesus in that verse. "Just spit it out, right? Lukewarm is nothing, When I was growing up, I lived in Southern California for most of my life. And my friends and I used to go to Laguna Beach, this area called 3R.